Good evening, Patriots. And it's Thursday, January 5th in the year 2023. East Coast has just hit Friday. End of the week already. Boy, this week has gone by fast for the first week of the year. Patriots, remember to get a good night's sleep. And that's really critical right now. This is the one thing that they're trying to deprive everybody of is a one is one good night's sleep, if not many more. And the best way to do that is to have the great products in your sleep arsenal to do just that. And that comes from MyPillow. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. So many great products there. Giza cotton sheets, the traditional MyPillow. So many more things over there to make sure that every night you go to bed, every night, every time you lay down to take a nap, take this, get some sleep, some rest, whatever, you're going to get an outstanding and comfortable sleep. And that is so important right now. These idiots that are running the world are truly trying to deprive everybody of sleep by overstressing them and wearing the health down. And that's the one aspect that we can control to ensure that no matter what they do, they will not take away our sound mind and our restful body. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Your promo code is Bards. You can use it anywhere on the site. You can even use it on the My Store site. And take advantage of the great products that are over there with great discounts with your promo code. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Promo code Bards. You are not going to be disappointed. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he, is also, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We touched on this earlier in the week, but it's such an interesting passage for the time in which we live. And it's one that if we reflect back on the last three years is very apropos to what we all went through. A challenge of times that we thought was impossible to overcome, obstacles that were placed in our way in incredible ways. It seemed, it seemed like we wouldn't get through it. We had mandates on masks. We had threats of mandatory injections. We had people telling us that we were going to be thrown into internment camps, whatever. It was the most, it was a really sickening part of society. And yet we endured it. And it's, it's a type of enduring that really reminds you of the strength that we have within us, but also the, because of that strength, it's all there because of God. And as we come out of this and as we endure all of this, we realize that there's really a bit of a selection going on in our world. I don't know if this selection is by God's hand, though there is a way of that, but there is a selection that comes out by virtue of being human. If we look around, we see those that were able to endure a very difficult time when our friends, our family, our country, our world, our government turned against us. And that makes for an amazingly strong rank and file in this army. I don't know if you've seen the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe. And it's really a pretty powerful entry scene. And the whole movie is, is interesting to me, but in particular, it's the opening scene with what is to be the final battle. 
And what stands out is the, and they do an exceptional job in the story, in the film, of portraying an army that has been weathered and experienced. And as he, as he comes up in commanding of his troops and he talks to his captain of the guard and they're having a discussion about launching the catapults to launch the pots of fire water, of fire, the exploding pots of fire into the forest. He tells his, his command captain of the guard to wait for his signal, but the captain of the guard is concerned because it's going to be close to the cavalry, which our lead character, Marcus, is going to lead the march into the, into the flanking movement with the cavalry. And it's the experience, they just do an exceptional job of showing an army that understands intuitively the dangers of war, the conflict. They're not shaken by this enemy that stands before them. And we juxtapose that with a scene that happens shortly thereafter, after, the, after Caesar, the Caesar is killed by his son and then tries to kill Marcus, who then flees to arrive home to see, find his vineyard burned and destroyed, his family, his wife and his child burned and hung. And he ends up in slavery. And he's traded into a gladiator group a slave owner who takes his people into games and, and makes money off of them fighting in the arena and ultimately dying. At least that's the general sense. And as they're walking into the first scene, these new slaves, the one person ahead of Marcus is so nervous that he just he, he wets himself right there and urinates right before everybody. And I really, I bring this up because there are others that are there that have been hunters and warriors and they're unfazed. It's not that they aren't aware. There isn't like there isn't some edge of nervousness going into this because any good warrior has an edge on them. A little bit of caution maybe. But this one, this one before him is like somebody who's never been in battle. And in that moment completely loses his control of himself and the result he goes through the doors into the arena and he's the first one to get smacked with a mace right to the head and he's dropped a brutal scene but the temperance of war changes us and we're long past the naiveties last night I spoke about Israel. And I was very clear on my position of the Israeli government. And that doesn't set well with people sometimes because they want to worship Israel. We have to be very clear eyed and very heavy in discernment right now of where the true enemies are. And we have to step aside from the emotions and our tender feelings to hear some hard truths and face that's head on because the enemy's everywhere. It's like someone telling me that they can trust the government or someone telling me that they'll die for the red, white, and blue. I'm not going to die for the red, white, and blue. Matter of fact, I'm not even, my intent is not to die for God either because I'm going to fight for kingdom. 
and I'm going to live because I would, I have no intention of being one of the casualties on the field. I have one of the intentions of being living and surviving the fight to see the glory of the Lord. So this is a time when we are really seeing the separation of the wheat and the and the shaft. This is the threshing floor. And it's amazing time because those who weathered this storm find that they have an incredible resolve and ability to stand unlike anything they'd experienced before. It's really profound. And as we work together, it's literally Proverbs 27, 17. As we have moved all together and we are here now, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. What we've created by virtue of experience and fellowship is a true bonding over the last three years and for some even longer. But in particular, the last three years has been a real forging in fire and, and in the refining fires of Father. One of, our, one of our followers, Mimo, and she's in chat, and she's got a, I was listening to some of her TikTok earlier, and it was just a great piece she put out, just talking about how these relationships that we've built online have become real. We care for one another. We support one another. We are there to build up one another. That's literally Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. And for those that haven't been in service in the military or those that haven't been deployed in combat, let me tell you something. That point that we've all experienced is as real as any war. Because you build through the trials of time and through the trials of experience, you build and forge relationships that are unlike anything you've ever known. You develop a sense of discernment and an ability to cut through and see whose heart is what. And it doesn't take long. And suddenly we find that even though we're different and many times in a different life, perhaps we wouldn't have, hang, have been hanging out together. We have found common core, common bonds with each other. Because in this fight, the one undisputable common hold is our love and pursuit in Jesus. And in doing so, we've evolved to be a movement of mightiness of great warriors. It's not the warriors maybe of gladiator when you're wielding the sword and using a wooden shield to defend off a mace or arrows or whatever. It's a different type of warrior in fight, but it's not a different warrior in heart. And that's what we've witnessed. And we've witnessed a powerful evolution of ourselves in the process because as we have risen, there's a fearlessness that we've reclaimed, a fearlessness that was frankly always there, but it wasn't tested. So you can, it's just like a soldier. You can take a soldier who's an excellent marksman and he can be precision on his battle drills. But until those are tested under the trials of war, you don't really know who they are. I've witnessed soldiers that were unexpected, rise up to be fierce, fierce fighters. And others that you would expect to lead literally fall back and collapse. I've seen in an army of, you know, 
basically a platoon of Afghans of 30 where we literally had, an, and we were under heavy fire, we had 25 tucked away, shivering and hiding in their huts. I remember this one Hazara guy that was, he's just amazing. And we were out, there were three of us in this fire, in this firefight, they were out. And the rest of his group was, for the most part, was hiding. He single-handedly set up the mortar, single-handedly did his own ranging, single-handedly set his own charges on the mortar, and was single-handedly dropping rounds as we were engaging the enemy. He ended up saving the night because through his training that he had learned from the Mongolians, and he had learned how to do a different type of distance ranging than we were familiar with in the American Army, he literally was able to identify drop in rounds, and ultimately blow up the enemy cache. One guy, and he stood out there, and I'll never forget, he looked at it and he said, I'm, I'm not going to die this day in my hut. I'm going to win this day with my beret on, and I'm going to fight like an Afghan. And he did, and he was ferocious. He was battle-hardened, and he had a heart for as a warrior. And so much of what we are now is battle-hardened. And creates some challenges because with battle hardening, we have to also keep our compassion. But it's a compassion of a different type. It's not sloppy. It's not gushy. It's not slathering over people. It's an understanding more in terms of temperance. We don't know where people are. We can guide them with the wisdom we've gained. Wisdom we've gained through Father God. And in this process, what we've learned more than anything is we got here, not because of us, but because all along God was refining us. Just like I opened with 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God knew where we would be. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And each one of us was pushed to our limit. But with that temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may not be able, that you may be able to endure. Whatever that looked like, we were able to endure this that held the line. And that was open to anybody. That's the most amazing thing. Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on the with wings like eagles, shall run and not be weary, shall walk and not be faint. This entire time, to a certain degree, all of us were in waiting for the Lord, at one point or another. Sometimes it might be hours, sometimes it might be days, could have been weeks or months. But it's that standing in the presence and seeking in our heart, and he was always there. I think that's the most amazing thing that we discover in all of this is even in the quiet, God is there in greatness. And so as we face this ferocious enemy, and it is a ferocious enemy, this is an enemy that devours people and children and, and has no problem ruining lives. It takes pleasure in seeing people become addicted to drugs. It takes pleasure in the pain and suffering of people losing their finances, their home, being cast out on the street. 
It revels in this. And these people we see, these are leaders we have in this nation. We have a whole bunch of them up here in Oregon. The first one on the top of the list is Kate Brown. And right on down the list. They revel in the power that they've gained to ruin people's lives, to break livelihoods, to make people bend to their will. But people aren't bending to their will, not the way they want it. And in particular, those that have stood and held the line, refused to take the vax, refused to comply to their mask. They become stronger, they become greater. In the midst of the storm, it's hard to see our way through. It's like when you're sailing and you're in the midst of a storm, you're focused on just keeping the boat upright, making sure the mast doesn't get torn or broken, making sure the sails are in the right place or even better, sometimes you have to pull them down. You have to buckle up the hatches so you don't get water pouring in, but you also don't need to have the ship roll. You have a lot of responsibilities and it's basically just one moment at a time. But when it breaks and you start to see the light and the new day, even if it's still raining some, you've weathered something that's changed you. It's built you. It's forged you. Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. And with each step, the Lord gives us more responsibility. Where much is given, much is asked. Because with each step forward, as we continue to pursue forward, Father's refined us. He's shaped us. He's given us strength to step into a new place. And each step is like a little bit more of the sacrifice of who we were to step deeper into the body of Christ. Ezekiel 33, 1-7. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, If I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from among them, and make him their watchman, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land, and blows the trumpet and warns the people, Then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will be required at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. We're at this interesting lull right now, a change of pace, and we can all feel it. Three years of being sieged and besieged by our government. Three years of being attacked daily in the media and almost every single angle. 
by our family, by our friends, and really no reprieve. All we had was what we could muster in terms of fact. And the small little bands of people that were scattered as, as our domains of warfare were wiped out. We were literally almost erased from the battlefield. And it's a digital battlefield to the large degree. But the resources that we counted upon, the, those information resources were deleted or blocked. The truths that we needed to push in on were deleted or blocked. People were wiped off the web, almost completely erased. And with it, we watched the truth being pushed aside. And, and with it, we went, we were cast away with it. And we saw the rise of this beast come out of nowhere. And it took over so many people and infected the lives. And as we tried to speak truth, it would be crushed, we'd be silenced, we'd be cast out, we'd be called heretic and liars. Churches were closed, people were cast to the winds, and the disarray was tremendous. It was a massive blow, and don't ever forget how massive a blow it was. Each one of us was caught off guard to a certain degree, and each one of us had to pivot and parry and be prepared for a counterattack, not even knowing how we would wage it sometimes. And the ambushes were immense. But we never quit. We never stepped back from that fight. We kept pushing in. And as we've waged that war and then we've created the counter movement now, suddenly the tide is beginning to turn. We can see it. The truths that we knew from the beginning, though we have more depth in that armor and more ammo in that ammo can, than we had before. Those truths are the same truths we spoke from the beginning. Now we have greater resources to counterattack. We've restored some of the positions that were lost, in fact, many of them. And we've been able to wage a counteroffensive that has been impressive in this fight to the degree now that we're on the offensive and they're starting to see their rank and file collapse. So it's easy for us to get swept up in the fight and to charge forward and to look at them as enemies and forget that they are simply hands puppets influenced by those darker forces that they didn't have eyes to see or ability to see the truth through. Oh, there's evil out here. And that evil needs to be taken to task. And there's a lot of that evil. But there's also a lot of people now that need to be shown the truth and continually reminded of what's coming. Because now that higher level of responsibility is that we have become the watchmen of the house. We've become that voice that even if someone is standing before us and advocating for the vax or advocating for a mask or complying or talking about the compliance to the obedience to the state or whatever form it takes, calling out Luciferianism, claiming that Satan is their God, whatever that is, it does not change the necessity for us to be the watchmen of the house, to call out truth and to tell them the consequence of what will happen. And with that, we become the power and powerful voices of discipleship in this age. We're speaking to people now with the knowledge and the strength of God. We've been walking under this banner of Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit within us. And we've had the war waged on us. And what we face now is almost like child's play. 
because we've already been knocked off our base. We've already recovered. We've already had to reassemble. We've already had to feel like we were going to get overrun and that we could lose. But the one thing we never did was give in. And this is what makes a mighty army. It's an army that has field experience, ground experience, boots on the ground, that knows the real taste of battle. No, this battle doesn't taste like the dust in Afghanistan and the smells and the craziness of mud collats, AK-47 rounds or RPGs. But this battle does have its own visceral sense. It's a sense of the world around us that was suddenly turned against us that now we seem to be reclaiming one step at a time. Each one of us has waged a mighty fight. And in this fight, it's been the sort of the spirit that's led this fight. And we have cleared places. We've done that close quarters combat. We have cleared spaces where the enemy's taken stronghold. And there's still some very big strongholds of the enemy. But we can feel the sense of weakening from them. In the Battle of of the Bulge, one of the famous battles of World War II, the Americans were way overmatched by the Germans. But they had something that the Germans didn't have, and that was the control of fuel. In our case, what we have control of is the relationship and dominance of the spiritual high ground. And in the end of that fight, as we move forward, we start to realize how shallow their faith really is. Oh, they're obedient to it. Very obedient. They're obedient to their little G God. They're obedient to their little tinker toy L-O-R-D. But he's not a supernatural God. He's not a God of hosts. He's not the one God. That's ours. And as now we start to rise and build the strength and confidence in our relationship with Father God, we're reminded that he's always been there and everything we've needed has always been there. We've simply had to have the confidence in him to step into the roles that he's put before us. He's ready. He's always been ready. He's just been waiting for us. He knew all along how strong we were. He has known all along how mighty we were. And he cares deeply about bringing as many home as he can. And that's another reason why now, more than ever, we are becoming the watchmen of the house. Because he needs us to use our voice. He needs us to disciple. He needs us to be out in the trenches. He needs us to be forward here now to now take advantage of this moment when the enemy is starting to wane in their strength. They're starting to doubt where they are. They're starting to hear the truths and question this righteousness. It was fake righteousness that they stood on. Because their righteousness wasn't spiritual righteousness. It was ego. It was arrogance. It was blind obedience. And with the truth, as we pound forward the truth and we wield that sword, what happens is they start to collapse under the weight of the counteroffensive. 
They can't hold the line like they used to. They have to now start facing different flanks of fight. In the beginning of this, they were able to shred the flanks of fight and channel everybody into one focal point of conflict. So we were facing them head on head. And that's where they took advantage of this great push into society. But what they didn't count on was that counteroffensive, that asymmetric counteroffensive. They started to hit them from all their different sides. And it was the little guys. It wasn't the mighty forces, the big voices. No, it was the smaller people. And all the little people started to come together to build bigger armies. Our voices started to resonate together. And the one thing that we put forward before them was a compassionate heart, a forgiving heart, and yet a relentless push for truth and a demand for justice. And those things are uncompromising in our walk. And the other thing that we continue to do and will continue to do was to speak of what would come if they didn't listen. And many did not. And in not listening, they've suffered a consequence. It's not one that we celebrate. But it is one that we knew would happen. And sadly, that's taken that to bring many around. And as they come around in this time, we then have to find ourselves in yet another place. It's that place of compassion. Let me give you a comparison to real war. Because I think when we talk about compassion, we talk about forgiveness, it's like, they were the enemy. Look what they did to me. Truth. They did. But we're basically like the field medics on a special forces team. Or a corpsman with the Marine Corps. Because at a certain point, we're going to administer care even to the enemy. It doesn't mean the enemy is not going to go into a prison or secure holding. It isn't the enemy isn't going to be taken captive by us. But what we will do is we will heal them. Because as we heal them, they start to realize that the enemy that they were hating, they can no longer hate anymore. See, that's the real magic of all of this. It's the compassion that God gives us. The temperance that we walk with. Christ showed us that all along. He was always there in his walk. He showed us the mightiness of flipping tables, walking into the temples. Can you imagine? One man walking into the temple, the sacred temple, and challenging the Pharisees. It takes unbelievable courage, strength, fearlessness. Or one man standing before an angering and riotous mob, holding stones, ready to stone the adulteress, the accused adulteress. Fearless. He didn't get up and chest pound before them. Before them, he was scribing something on the ground as he was listening to them go. And then disarmed them with words so potent and so powerful that they cut to the heart. And every one of the accusers left and the adulteress was set free with the words, go and sin no more. God's entrusted us in this fight to wage a different type of war. And as Peter was not rebuked for carrying a sword, we're not being rebuked 
for arming ourselves, because ultimately, that's part of a strong defense. But our first line of assault is always that sort of the spirit. And it's ruthless. It's uncompromising. It doesn't mean it doesn't have compassion. It doesn't mean it doesn't have the ears to hear and, to, and the patience to listen. But it's uncompromising. And it's that uncompromising truth that destroys the father of lies. The twists and turns and things that are put in their head create a scrambled egg soup in their thoughts. And yet we can pierce through it with a steady, pure, and truthful message, which is exactly what we have done. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. We've learned that it isn't the way of man, but rather the way of Father God. We've learned to lean into Jesus. We have learned to trust in the Holy Spirit. And we've learned that it isn't about us. It's about where God needs us to go. Even if that task seems menial or irrelevant, we know that where he's having us go is significant because in the strategic vision of this war that he only he can see and only he can fully comprehend, each person has a strategic role, even if the task is small. Unfortunately for those that have bought into the father of lies, they've been promised that they can do anything. Thou shalt do what thou wilt. A freedom of unaccountability to live a life any way that they choose. A promise of glory in this world. Even now the promises of eternal life if we can upload you into an artificial intelligence consciousness space. Because they've been convinced that there's nothing else. They've been convinced that this is the way that the world works. And they've been convinced that perfection and nirvana and the perfect existence on earth is all about people doing whatever they want. Because as long as it doesn't affect you, they need to do what they want. But you know, you and I both know that doesn't work. Because if I do something ultimately and I do it to you, or it affects you, my right to do what I want no longer becomes your right to live as you want. It's a chaotic space that creates so much pain so much emptiness. And as we enter into that space with the glory of Jesus flowing through us, that light of Christ that's bold and powerful, that wielding of a sword of truth that cuts through everything, it doesn't mean it's going to be well received because truth has a certain way of fracturing confidence, of ripping the rug out of somebody's footing which they thought was solid, of proving to them they're not on the rock of faith, but rather than they've built their house on a bed of sand. And those tend to provoke certain things, which is normal. One is anger. Another is denial. Another is bargaining. All these things mesh together as they try to push back and they get some as violent and spitting anger. Some is just an outright rebuke and rejection, calling you a conspiracy theorist or a fool. 
Another is to try to convince you that whatever you're saying is not as bad as it is. That's okay. Because that persistent message that comes from one, that comes from another, is part of God's army that keeps pressing in and keeps striking one blow after another blow. And the message is always anchored in faith. It's always anchored in that rock that God gave us. It's always anchored in the power of truth. And one after the other, one blow after the other, the enemy succumbs. This is a time when we have had to suffer to a degree for us to appreciate the glory of what has been given. 1 Peter 1, 6-7 In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer a grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genesis of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. It's been refining, and it will continue to refine us but if we really are honest about the walk in the last three years, I would say most can say that as they've been refined, we have seen the need and the dependency and the obsession of influences of this materialist culture, this Babylonian money system, slowly being sh- shed from us. We felt the refining fire strip it away to where our relationship and pursuit of Christ is greater than it's ever been. And as long as we continue to pursue that, it will only grow greater. We're now accelerating at a rate that every army does in war. You see, the first part, that first conflict is always the hardest one. It's the one that challenges everything. It's the one where there's the initial nerves, the, a lot of questions going on in the soldiers' minds. It's the reliance on the training, muscle memory to do things. There's anxiety, there's issues, but there's often not a lot of calm at that point in time. But once that first fight is over, there's a settling in the soul. You'll find the soldiers at night re-kitting based on, very quickly, assessing where their kit was misaligned or not. Maybe it's where you put the hand grenades, or maybe it's where you had your ammo set. And you're going to find them retooling after that one fight. They're going to be understanding very quickly the gaps in, their, in what they needed to carry, how it's positioned, and even some of their training. There'll be discussions late into the night after that fight about what worked and what didn't. There'll be discussions about how to reposition in a future contact. There's going to be reallocations of things. Maybe someone who's carrying one weapon system is better than the other at this. So there's going to be repositioning and recalibrating. Maybe somebody needed support where they didn't have it. And you're going to see leaders rise. See, that's happened. That's happened. And it's happened in powerful ways. And so in the process of this and in this refinement, the greatest part about this is we've been refined in the way that God needs us refined to where all of this 
anchoring and hooks that were part of this world have been slowly ripped and burned away. And where there were scars, there's now healing. And all of that's come through that incredible relationship in Jesus. And before us is revealed the power of Christ himself. And that banner that figuratively we spoke of now becomes a visceral and real thing as we walk into the world. That's Christ's banner. And that concept of walking with kingdom authority, it's no longer just something you mention. It's something you feel, not because you want to feel it, but because God's given it. It's part of the trust of being the watchman for the house. And then you arrive at that place. Where you can speak the wisdom that God needs us to speak. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Because in all of the struggle and trial and the overcoming, we've settled in that place where we truly begin to understand who we really are. We're not just physical beings. That's the father of lies. We're spiritual beings in a physical body. And in this time of experience and refinement, we're gaining the experience for eternity. And those trials that seem so impossible, I would say, honestly, it's probably of the envy of the angelic order to be able to have had an experience just like that, to overcome what seems impossible, to grow in a way that few can comprehend. And that has not been a growth of many. It's growing in ranks, but those that really endured the trial, they're always the seasoned veterans. And it's something to be very, very content with in your heart. You're now a seasoned warrior. You're now that veteran of conflict. And with that comes enormous responsibility. It's the responsibility to look out for those new coming in. To give them the few words of advice to help them get through that initial contact. To be patient as they get excited about the certain things that you've already been through a hundred times. But at the same time to remind them with the wisdom of conflict, of their purpose, their expectation, and how they will survive. Each one of us becomes the watchman of the house. Each one of us becomes a squad leader, a platoon leader, a captain, a company commander, a battalion, in whatever way, in whatever place you're called. And the weathering of the storm that we've been through has now positioned each of us as God needs us to be scattered among the many, each of us able now to raise up more around us, to use that wisdom that we've gained to be able to expand the kingdom. This is when we really grow. This is the year to expand out beyond anything you've ever imagined because each one is now seasoned, each one of us. And each one of us now can speak a different type of language of war. 
because we went through the worst part of it. There's still a lot to come. And for those that are coming into the awakening right now, it will seem like they're in the heat of the worst possible battle as they face the truths that they never thought possible, as they awaken to the things that they have denied their whole life. They get excited on one hand and overwhelmed on the other. And the rate in which they have to digest this is like the new person that walks late into the battle and he suddenly is caught in the flea of a firefight and he's having to scramble to stay alive. He'll grow and mature. For the veterans, it's old hat. And it's their confidence. It's their calm. It's their wisdom that keeps the others alive. This is a big moment in this time for all those that stayed the course with Father God. This is a huge moment. This is a huge moment for all those that endured all of the chastising and outcasting and accusations and threats and pain. It's not a moment to rise with vengeance. It's the moment to rise with a noble heart of kingdom to know that you got here because God needed you to go through all of that. He needed you to be refined so that Christ would be revealed within us. What an amazing time to be alive. Let's pray. Father, just begin with an amazing thank you for all that we have been through and all the amazing experiences that you've given us, the fires of refinement that we've walked through to strengthen, to release ourselves from the hooks and snags of this world and to really settle ourselves into a solid ground of faith and that rock that all that's built upon and that relationship and intimacy with Jesus and that pursuit of our love with you. This has not been an easy walk, but you knew that. And at times we didn't think we could handle it and you knew that too. And yet here we are. We're here in that place where you knew we would be because you trusted in us. Because you knew that we would choose you among everything else. That you knew that no matter what happened and what trials we went through, even in those moments of doubt, and you never gave up on us, you knew that we would make the right choice. So Father, we're humbled And we thank you for all of this because what lies ahead now, no matter how big or challenging it is, you've tempered us through these flames. We've learned to work together. We've learned to forge relationships. We've learned to lead. We've learned to discern. We've learned to use caution where necessary, have patience where it's needed, be bold where we must, But above all, be fearless. So thank you, Father. And Jesus, your banner has never left us. You've stood right there, reminding us, walking with us. As we walk within that body, with our unique ways of seeing the world, to discover that 
in all of this with all of our uniqueness. It's not that we're hive mind, but we are one body. So thank you. And we're reminded in all of this, Jesus, of the power of the sacrifice that was made for us. For we ourselves must continue to strive to sacrifice who we were to walk more boldly into who we are now. That's the rebirth through you, Jesus. So thank you. And so, Father, as we sit here this evening, humbled and blessed, we thank you. Ask you for your continued guidance and wisdom in each of the steps moving forward. No matter what befalls, we've now been tried and tested to know that our eyes will never drift from you, and we will only pursue your love more passionately and deeply than ever before. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Each has grown, and to each has grown appropriately as God needs us to. Heaven is not an egalitarian kingdom. It's not a socialist empire. Quite to the contrary. But God knows our limits and encourages us and pushes us to go beyond. And he doesn't take us to our limits. He offers those opportunities for us to go farther than we thought we could. That's how we grow. That's what a good father does. So in these coming days and weeks and months, it's time for us to reflect a bit on where things were, where we were three years ago, two years ago, five years ago, wherever you were. Take a moment to thank Father for how far we've walked, how far you've come. And now take that gift as it is tempered and forged and be ready now to walk forward into a new period where we become the wisdom around other people and to lead them to Christ and to bring them home. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my 